0: Welcome back to Alyssa Explains It All. I am so excited to have you here on the pod today. Um, I'm joined by producer Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you crack me up. Today we have um, actually a friend of matt's a childhood friend of matt's um eric j brown he is a young adult author who writes um like queer adventure love stories i feel like that's the best way to describe it yeah um he wrote this book called all that's left in the world and it is about the end of the world. Two of the last people alive are Jamie and Andrew. They find each other, they stumble into some flirtations and it's very sweet. I started it last week and I'm loving it so far. He was also nominated for the Waterstones Children Book children's book prize which is in stark contrast to how that book has also been removed from some school libraries so we had a really great conversation he also lives in a haunted house which i love actually when matt was was um telling me about eric i was like well i mean he's like an author so i don't know what we're gonna really talk about like i love to read but i don't know if my audience wants to hear it and he was like he lives in a haunted house and i was like great when can we have him on <laughs> <laughs> he
1: he mentions this in the episode but yeah eric and i actually became friends at our high school job which is what so his cute. new book is about mm-hmm. um so uh i do have an advanced copy of it uh i haven't started reading it yet because i don't do well reading books on a computer screen mm-hmm. i really need to like physically hold a book but i am going to read some of it at the very least until the book comes out because i yeah. do want the I, I want to see he I maybe I'm in it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know I, how autobiographical it is <laughs>
0: like, Do you want to be in it or do you not want to be in it? Because part of me is like, if you find a character and the name, the name of the character is like, I don't know, Michael and, you're like, yeah. and then Mike Michael in the book ends up being like the worst. And then you're like, well, feels like you're telling me about myself.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, look, I'm open to it because it was he talks about this in the interview, but there is a a truth to it. Like that job is like weird and and bizarre as being a waiter in a retirement home is like it. You become this weird family and it is this weird line of like there was like the most popular kids in school, the weirdest kids in school. Mm -hmm. Like I was the A.V. nerd like all of us worked at this job and because we had to depend on each other to get done in a timely fashion, like Whatever, whatever like popularity lines fell apart for three hours every day after school. That's so and cute. then, yeah, we used to do, we used to like make trips to the movie theaters together and be like, oh, everybody ask off on Thursday night and we'll go to like the movies together. And like we would do so stuff like that. So cute.
0: It's like the breakfast yeah. club. Did you guys also do a choreographed dance in a library? Not in
1: the <laughs> library, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Eric was, Eric was like two or three grades below me. So, We did lose touch after I graduated, but Mm -hmm. then yeah, he he put out this book and I was really excited (laughs) to see like my old friend was Mm -hmm. being like being something because, you know, when you're from like a small little town, unfortunately, I feel like now I'm not the most famous person from our high school.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's the bad news.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's the bad news for me, but (laughs) it it is really cool. Eric's great and I'm proud of him and I really hope that he wins this prize. I'm excited for Uh, the the next book to come out.
0: Yeah, me too. It's such a sweet story already. And I was complimenting him a lot on how funny it is because when you read that the like synopsis of the book is the post-apocalyptic queer love story post-pandemic, I was like, Lord Jesus, we just (laughs) did a pandemic. I don't need this again. But I was cracking up. It's so funny. Andrew meets Jamie for the first time. He's like, well, he's not Tom Holland, but he's close enough. I was like...
1: (laughs) well and speaking of haunted houses oh yeah you did some spooky shit that people can watch now right
0: yes i did (laughs) one of my favorite youtubers like of all time since i was in maybe like high school is glam and gore her name is mikey and she does this really cool series on her youtube channel where she puts uh, a guest into full special effects makeup and then slowly removes the makeup to reveal who they are and the audience is supposed to guess who they are based on some questions that she's pulling out actually i was pulling out of a little um one of those like trick-or-treat jack-o-lantern type of things. Ooh, really I love that! <laughs> and it was really fun it's out on youtube now so if you look up glam and gore, um, you'll see my crazy, crazy special effects makeup. Um, I'll probably have posted a picture on Instagram at this time too. Um, by the time this comes out. It was so much fun. One of the best experiences I've ever had. I love special effects makeup. And I've always wanted to have like a full, like piece applied to my face. And that's exactly what we did. I even got to take it home. I have it nice. in my room. It's so cool. Did they cool. do a
1: face cast of you as well or no?
0: No. So it's a, I mean, I could grab it, but it's a rubber mask. It's like almost styrofoamy, but not quite. It's rubber. I don't know how it looks on it. And it's really light. It, she just like put little sections of glue on the mask and then stuck it to my face. Oh, yeah. all and, right. And just, you know, slowly, slowly adhered it to my face. And it was crazy because putting the makeup on took like five hours. And that wasn't even like. The video. Like the video is yeah. filming taking it off.
1: <laughs> and that's always the case, right? It's like it's five hours to put the mask on and then it's yes. like twenty minutes to take it right.
0: off. Right. <laughs> like, Literally. Like... Well, actually the the process of taking this off took a little longer than than I thought. I mean, partially because she Was asking questions and it's meant to like you know allow time for people to guess. But she had like a little brush and she was applying like whatever dissolves the adhesive slowly to the top of the mask and then she would pull a little bit down and then apply more of the dissolver and then pull a little bit down. It was like I think we were there together for like seven hours. It was crazy.
1: That's amazing. I maybe got to see a picture of you in the makeup. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) we we both had a moment together. It was it's so cool. It's so cool. (laughs) I have like the crazy wig and everything in my room. I loved it. It was such a great experience. And then um, they very nicely got me Panda Express. And I (laughs) I took the longest shower of my life, Um, had purple in my ears for like days. I would like take a Q-tip, run it in there and purple still. Um, But it was it was a wonderful experience. It was so much fun. And I'm, I'm really excited to see the video. I haven't seen it either
1: yeah it's gonna be fun i'm excited well check out that video and then you gotta come on back yes and listen to the eric interview
0: hell yes (laughs) yes you do i hope you enjoy it we had such a great chat and check out all that's left in the world it's out right now his next book lose you to find me is coming out in the spring so keep your eyes out for that as well Eric, it is so nice to meet you.
2: It's nice to meet you too. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. So how have you been today? How's how's your Wednesday?
2: Oh, it's great. It's a wonderful. It's actually not freezing out and it's yes. a nice day, so that's good.
0: Yes. Where are you? Are you in New York somewhere? Uh, Philadelphia. Okay. All right. Yeah. You actually live in a really interesting place and this is like so not why, we, why you're here, but I just need to know about your haunted house.
2: Uh, it's our house is built in 1895 and it is very haunted. So I have a friend who she's a psychic medium mm-hmm. and so the way she describes it is it's kind of like there's always a radio on and usually she can turn that volume down. So when she's like sober, she can turn the volume down when she's drinking a little bit, that just volume knob just does not work for her and she was here for a party once and we were giving her a tour and all of a sudden she's just like okay well there's a ghost in this room oh there's my a little girl also upstairs in like actually where i am right now there's a closet and she just straight up refused to go in and anybody who has stayed in our house usually our guest room is on the third floor like down the hall from that and everybody has been like i don't know why but it's really really creepy and it's really uncomfortable and i had a horrible night's sleep so one day my uh, partner goes he's just on craigslist looking for random stuff like uh art and everything for the house this is after we moved in and he texts me he's like oh i'm gonna stop in germantown and pick up a painting from a parking a school parking lot and he comes home and it is the most horrific doll (laughs) painting like this painting is haunted (laughs) and he puts it up in the bedroom that everybody's having trouble sleeping in good since then there has been no ghost activity. The ghosts oh stay out of that room. They're scared of the doll. So we call her Dinara and we say that Dinara is watching over you and everybody's like, yeah, it's really Horrifying. peaceful up there. So no, they're like, nice. as soon as the lights are out, they don't see her and they're like, oh yeah, this is the best night's sleep ever. Oh so. my God, so you
0: had like a haunted house that was canceled out by a cursed image.
2: Yeah. <laughs> One time I came home from work and I could not find my dog. So he's a little Shiba Inu. He's 20 pounds. It's a, like, he could not get anywhere. There's no way for him to get out of this house. And I can't find him. I'm walking all over. I'm going on all the floors, looking for him, trying to find him. And we had just had a holiday party. So this was before the pandemic. And we took all of the dining room chairs, brought them up to, like, the the room that has the little girl ghost in it. And we put them all in there up against the door that leads into this little access room to our bedroom okay and there's two doors that both close opposite directions the one gets stuck that's going into our bedroom you can't actually open it unless you like shove into it and then again to shove it closed um and the other one closes and locks somehow he ended up in that little doorway locked in the other door is barricaded by chairs my bedroom door was shut the the door to that room was shut and he's just been in there all day i have no idea how he got in oh or how God. that door shut and how it locked because it's shuts going in so it's right. not like he could pull it shut right and right it's a drafty house but that door does not shut if it's open so wow it hasn't since at least so that is
0: spooky i love the 19th century i think it's so like interesting and a lot of the books that i read end up being from like that time period and so i would hypothetically love to live in a house that's that old (laughs) but this is what i'm scared of
2: Oh, well they're fine they they don't like (laughs) do anything to hurt anybody it's never like a real horror movie so it's like
0: a friendly ghost like it's checking in and -hmm. then that's all yeah
2: and okay. every once in a while, she'll want to play with the dog. Like one Halloween at like three a.m., there's just like a ball rolling across the floor, and then it starts bouncing. And I thought the no. dog was playing with it, but I like my partner go- leans up and like goes to yell at him, but the dog is on the edge of the bed, just watching all of this happen.
0: Uh, see, that would uh, that would freak me out so <laughs> much. That's scary. And I love scary movies. I think I might draw the line at it happening in real life. That's. <laughs> And i think that happens in a scary movie with a ball
2: so it's sorry. funny though because like my, my partner used to travel a lot for work and mm-hmm. so I, of course he doesn't like horror movies as much so every time he traveled i would like no oh, i'm gonna watch a horror movie tonight
1: yeah <laughs>
2: and it's never the ghost stuff that scares me it's always mm-hmm. like what if there's a serial killer that tries to get into this house <laughs> so i'd like i'm like kevin mccallister when i'm home alone i just like Booby locking traps. certain <laughs> doors that shouldn't, that never get locked. And I'm yeah. like, listen, at least if the yeah. alarm goes off in the middle of the night, I know there's at least four locked doors between me and this serial
0: killer. I love that. I love that. Next, you'll set up some booby traps, some yeah. flour, um, outside so you can track their footsteps. You'll be good to go. Exactly. I think that's a great idea. Well, so I'm really excited to talk to you because you have a book that was like, it had been recognized in a bunch of different ways, and it came out last year called All That's Left in the World. And I um, I started it actually earlier today, so I'm only a little bit into it, so don't spoil it for me. Okay. But I've been enjoying it so much so far, especially because it is like a dystopian end-of-the-world situation, but it's yeah. also quite funny so I'm like I'm listening to this and it's these these two boys who who are among the last in the world and they find each other and eventually fall in love. And I'm also like laughing at how they're, they're like one of them is almost dead when he arrives to the other one's home. And I'm like and I'm still laughing. and I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> how did you come up with that concept? Were you inspired so- by the pandemic?
2: I know. So it was actually written before the pandemic. I wrote the first draft of it in 2015. And at the time I was watching The Walking Dead and I got annoyed because I, there were only straight characters on the show at the time. They've since had like a whole bunch of other uh, queer characters throughout. But I just kept thinking, I was like, well, what about all the queer people? Like, what if we're already kind of like a minority, mm-hmm. then most of the world is wiped out. Does that mean it's harder to find a date at the end of the world for gay people? So... <laughs> I was like, I started wondering about that. And then at the same time with societal collapse, it means that there's somebody who may not have had the ability to explore his sexuality and now doesn't have any hangups about it. And he, right. that is something he can think about. And so I just kind of wanted to put those two ideas together and also is we're just Queer people are underrepresented in uh, post-apocalyptic fiction, which Mm -hmm. has changed so much just in the past year, which I do think is because of the pandemic. My Mm -hmm. friend Andrew Joseph White, he's a um, New York Times bestseller, and his book came out last year called Hell Followed With Us. It's about this trans boy who survives this post-apocalyptic viral event that um, his fundamentalist Christian church basically caused wow. and he's like slowly turning into a monster while he's falling in love with this boy who is there a bunch of survivors from uh an lgbtq center and that's in the city and it's this like he it's funny because uh we both read each other's books before it came out mm-hmm. and the way in my story, you've already read this part where the meat cute is basically the one character's holding the other at gunpoint. Yes. <laughs> and so I get to it in his book and it's the exact same thing. And I sent him a like screen cap of it. I sent it, I texted to him and I was like, I love our post apocalyptic <laughs> so much.
0: I love that. I feel like you guys have to have universes that somehow converge, like yes. Marvel and DC at some point, they have to come together.
2: <laughs> it's a multiverse of madness and it's just all of the queer yes. post-apocalyptic stories coming together.
0: I love it. I think that's very important. And I yeah. think that that's the next step in the storyline, even though it I'm is. I'm only a little bit through the story and I'm already loving it so far. I love this whole everything, concept. Everything,
2: Every Queer, All At Once.
0: Everything, Every Queer, All At Once. Yeah, I love that's it. That's what
2: the title's going to be
0: i love it i love it your book has actually been pulled from a school library which is actually very serious and terrible there's no way that this this collab is gonna make it through oh yeah no was it that was a
2: fun uh google alert to get on i think yesterday morning
0: yeah what the heck was it just one school
2: uh so far it's just one uh school district in east tennessee I think it's like Blount County, Blount County, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. They said it was uh, smut, and it is promoting deviant sexual themes, and that could not be more for farther from the truth. Like there's this is it's a very very chaste book. These two boys are trying to survive; they're not trying to fuck. So it's
1: like
2: I don't know where they're getting (laughs) the smut shit from because the front cover of it has their pinkies like barely touching and when i when they were designing the cover they originally were like holding hands i was like that's giving too much away let's Mm. separate their hands a little bit i want like lesbian period drama level (laughs) angst where they're just like barely touching
0: yes i love that did you think that this was a possibility with writing a book like this because i mean again like i'm not very far into it but it doesn't seem like it's it's a young adult novel. Like I can't imagine it turning into like a Game of Thrones sex scene all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm honestly
2: <laughs> shocked that it took this long. I'll be really, <laughs> ranked Yes, I thought it was going to be a lot sooner. I, like I kept seeing th- they're trying to ban a lot of queer books now, and I would like every time a new list comes out, I scroll down. I'm like,
1: what? Why haven't done this yet?
2: <laughs> and so like. I, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised it took as long as it did. And yeah. it's not surprising at all because I knew it when I wrote it that people would eventually do this because it's always how they do it. It's, mm-hmm. They don't, they immediately equate sexuality with sex because right. they assume, because the word sex is in the word sexuality, it means that you cannot be anything but this smutty deviant sex fiend if you acknowledge any sexuality that isn't heterosexual which by the way a lot of the heterosexual people i meet are also smutty deviant sex fiends so i don't know why it's just made all the queer people in right
0: it's this weird i i think that there's it's so frustrating i can't imagine how frustrating it is like to be the person who wrote this book and also be um a part of the lgbtq community to see something be silenced that's so normal and had the person just been had it been a heterosexual relationship it would have never been considered yeah to be smut like they
2: and it has nothing to do with actual sex it's just they they think the act of being in love and not heterosexual is deviant that is what they're viewing right and there's plenty of other i like when I was writing it in my mind, I was like, all right, I'm not going to give them reasons Mm -hmm. to basically ban my book. I want them to look like idiots when they try to do it because (laughs) there's not going to be any sex. There's going to be violence and language, which they do not mention that I say fuck like 85 times in this book and (laughs) they do not mention the language. So even I was, I'm working on another book and in my mind, I was like, (laughs) There's a I kind of like when I was typing out this conversation, I had one character who was just going to use the word cuntiness. And I was <laughs> like, I can't put the C word in a YA yeah. novel. I won't do that. I went back. I had put down bitchiness. I went back today and I changed it to cuntiness. I'm Period. Like, Screw it. I don't As care. As you
0: should, because they're not going to even they're not going to ban it for that no, anyway. They're going to be not going to
2: care. And no one's, no one's going to care about, I could, I could have the most chaste book in the world. And as soon yes. as they find out that one, I'm gay, two, there's one gay character in it, they're going to ban it. There's yeah. no, I'm not playing by their rules anymore. I tried to be like, look, this is how it is. And they're so far out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter anymore.
0: Yeah. So
2: I was talking about it with my um, agent yesterday. I was like, you know, what? I don't really care. I'm not going to play by their rules, because they don't play by their own rules anyway. So
0: 100% I I think that's a great way to be. And do you feel like when you were deciding the types of books that you wanted to write that you were going to have to choose what you do with your platform in terms of like, finding a balance between being an activist and being an author? Like, did you actively make the choice of like, Okay, I'm going to kind of sit in the line of both by writing books about queer people so that we you finally have representation that you deserve knowing that it would pull you into a little bit of activism.
2: I know that there, there's probably a lot of queer people that disagree with me, but I think just being queer is activism on its own. Like you are required to do this. You can't mm-hmm. sit by you just because I'm a white dude, it means I do have privilege. There is a certain amount of privilege that I have naturally. I can walk down the street and nobody will. No, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. If I open up my mouth, they might. Or if I'm like <laughs> dressing flamboyantly, I have that ability to do that. It's not its not something I want to do. I don't mm-hmm. hide who I am. But if I am in an unsafe place, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many people in the queer community that can't do that. And now they're just like, especially like everything with uh, trans people just trying to use the fucking bathroom. Right. And It isn't fair for them to be the only ones fighting. So, I mean, as a white guy, I do have to be on their side with everything because I know the way it it starts is it's a stepping stone. They will start with trans people because they think there's not enough of them. They can't fight back as well because we can get queer white guys against them. And Mm -hmm. we can say all of this shit about trans people being groomers and now all of a sudden it's just drag queens but now it's gay people and it's it just one thing after another and for you to sit there and be like oh well i'm a white gay guy i don't actually need to do any of this so i'm just gonna i don't want to get into politics it's like you don't have a fucking choice because that comes right next it doesn't matter right so that was always my stance: is if i'm going to be writing queer things which is what i want to do because I wanted to read that when I was a kid, or I I didn't know I wanted to read it. I would have, I sought out certain things when I realized that it existed, but all of it was for adults. It was very inappropriate for me to be reading. (laughs) And Which is the other thing about them banning my book. They can either read my book Or Mm -hmm. they can read an adult book that has queer characters and has queer sex in it and is way more explicit. Mm -hmm. Like there's all these kids now on TikTok who are reading like Colleen Hoover books who are straight author. But her stuff is very inappropriate for children and they're very popular on TikTok. And nobody's banning her books because she's straight.
0: You know what's weird about the Colleen Hoover books too is there's a lot of like abusive relationships that are yeah. being glorified in those books. Like I had started, I read Verity and I liked it, and then I read um, it and I started. It ends with us, and I was like, oh my god, I can't, I can't. Cute, this is a no. And I closed. I was like, I'm. That's a no. And so for you to give this story that's like it is, it is a, it has a, a storyline of these these two boys who are also. 17. So like they're they're engaging in like a very, you know, sweet little love story. That's appropriate for like 17. And so for that to be demonized is just I don't want to be surprised, but it's so like, it's so frustrating.
2: Yeah, right. And it's, it's a 360 some page book, and Mm -hmm. they don't even kiss until like, probably 340 pages, maybe. (laughs) Okay. So, sorry, it is a slow burn.
0: <laughs> That's right. i right. I'm 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 happy with a slow burn. I also, it, the writing is so funny. Like one of the things that I wrote down was "lol Tom Holland," because <laughs> in the beginning you say something about wanting to kiss Tom Holland, and I was like, mm, understood. I get it. <laughs> so I'm fine with a slow burn because it's already very entertaining.
2: <laughs> that was the other thing. I was trying to just make it, I like with especially like The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. A lot of post-apocalyptic and dystopian stuff, it's just, like, so heavy. And I think that's good, but I think with queer people, we, like, a lot of us use uh, humor as a defense mechanism. And Mm -hmm. why wouldn't this person do that when all of his family and friends are dead and he got stuck in a bear trap and is injured and on the verge of death? Why wouldn't he still be making jokes about these things? Just to keep (laughs) his spirits up. And... So when he meets Jamie, who doesn't have that, he's like, oh, this is actually somebody that's kind of getting me out of my own depression in my head mm-hmm. where I'm just kind of like obsessing over things.
0: Yeah. When so you wrote this, you started this in 2015 and the pandemic happened. And were you like.
2: <laughs> I so I got my agent with it in 2019 and okay. we did a little bit of work on it in the fall of 2019. And I sent him what would be the final draft that we would send out to editors in uh, January of 2020. Okay. And I had already known about COVID because China was on lockdowns at the time. And like Wuhan has has the population of New York, Philly, D.C. and Boston, I think. Mm -hmm. And so like when they did a quarantine lockdown, I was like, oh, this is... Because yeah. that's a lot of people to basically lock in their houses for several weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I figured it, so at some point it's going to be coming over here. I didn't think it would be at, like it turned out to be. But I remember he sent out like my agency sends out a newsletter of things that are going on submission in the coming months. And editors at different publishing houses can email them and say, hey, I want this when you send it out in case mm-hmm. my agent hadn't put them on the list. And he did that in the end of January, maybe early February. And he said mine was the most requested book that they had ever had on something. And during that email back to him, I remember asking, I was like, oh, do you think it has anything to do with this coronavirus thing? And like looking back on it, I'm just like cringing because I'm like, oh, yeah. what an idiot. <laughs> and he responds back. Like, He's like, yeah, I think that's part of it.
0: Yeah. But no one knew. And I think at the time, especially like now that we've gone through it, it seems so silly and naive. But we had had like these experience, like these kind of like close brushes with things. Like I remember during, uh, like there was bird flu, there was, I
2: there was swine like, flu in like 2008. Flu.
0: Yeah, there's, there's SARS these... in... and yeah. SARS.
2: Was that like early 2000s?
0: I think so. Cause I think I was quite young for the SARS situation, yeah. but all of those, like they kind of, they were sort of threats, but we were like scared. And then it calmed down and, yeah. and it was fine. And so this time around, I, I moved to Los Angeles March 1st because oh, I was just that. so, yeah. <laughs> I was just so sure that it was gonna be fine because it's always been fine and my god was i wrong <laughs> and by like march 10th we were totally shut down so that was it, it was just a wild like no one could have really known yeah how how that was gonna go so then the book actually came out in 2022 so you had pushed it out because of the pandemic i assume uh
2: yeah so we it sold in march It actually sold march uh 13th uh oh. friday the 13th of Ooh. 2020. i remember getting the call that it Was sold and we had a deal and i was like okay good uh i have to go though because i have to go to the grocery store because we're locking down on monday so like the city was like oh we're gonna let you do the uh saint patrick's day stuff all weekend and then everyone just stay home on monday
0: like you could have your fun and then (laughs) it's over
2: (laughs) i was i was like usually publishing works very slow my have a third book i'm under contract with and that one is due next Wednesday a week from today actually and it will not come out probably until next year and I will edit it with my agent or my editor until uh September of this year is pretty much when it has to be in in order to get it out by like summer or fall next year that's the way it usually happens with this one it was 2020 and they had set it for two years later because they wanted things to kind of quiet down a little bit i think they expected it to mm-hmm. and then um they also didn't really like as we got further and further into the pandemic they were like oh we're gonna have to change some things from the book because i wrote it from just my own mind thinking mm-hmm. oh this is exactly how we would respond to a pandemic turns out that was wrong <laughs> so my editor was like oh we need to start kind of figure out if we need to pull in like real things that happened Mm -hmm. or if you want to set this in a world where COVID didn't happen and it's more idealistic where they actually tried to stop it from spreading right so it was like
0: (laughs) where they actually tried yes
2: so it was like kind of several months of just waiting it out seeing what would happen and then slowly tweaking it i i think i had to have the final draft in the october before it came out so october of 2021 I had already pretty much finished the entirety of the story itself in the beginning of 2021, but we, as it kept going on and things were happening, I'd have to kind of remove things that were Mm -hmm. too close to home and keep changing it all the way up until I think October or November of 2021, which is unheard of. They usually are like, you cannot change things anymore Mm -hmm. once it's in like copy editing phase. And I was still changing things through several months up so
0: wow what was like one of the strangest things that you had to change
2: um i actually ended up removing an entire plot point not plot point it was like a throwaway paragraph where they were talking about um vaccines because i didn't want people to think i was an anti-vaxxer
0: and
2: i also had this uh line where um i'm trying to like fill in the blanks of what happened in the entire world in this book and i said that russia released a vaccine that ended up not being tested at all which did happen so i was like oh (laughs) cut that out and so i changed it to like france or something and then uh part of it was that the vaccine was actually because it was untested and they didn't do anything, it, it like ended up hurting a lot of people. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want people to think that right. I believe that. So, no, I'm cutting that out as well. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening and you haven't get, gotten vaccinated, get vaccinated.
0: Just it's do it. Fine. It's you fine. Everyone fine. is fine. We no know one's...
2: what's going to happen with the virus. Mm-hmm. It's better than know that.
0: Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Wow. Just that is. Yes. Just do it. It doesn't even hurt. Just do it.
2: and then there's one thing that ended up staying in that i thought was very strange it was during summer of 2020 i had written you'll get to it at some point there i there's something that a character says not Mm -hmm. andrew or jamie it's like one of the antagonist characters he says something that i had written and then later during like all of the anti-mass protests and everything that were happening people had the same thing written on their protest signs
0: oh my god and i was just
2: like what the fuck
0: so so are you psychic you think or are no. human beings just this predictable no
2: i think they're just that predictable
0: hikes <laughs> cuz it's Yikes. Like, i did
2: i i i did try to like it's not created in a vacuum Those specific things were said by other people that were maybe in Germany in, like, the 30s. And I think that's why they were on those protest signs. Right. But I just, I kind of took that and I made it American. And, of course, so did the crazy people from the state of Alabama. So Yikes.
0: Just... Yikes, that is that is wild. Uh, so now that you've had the success from All That's Left in the World, do you feel like your experience in, in kind of like writing after that and seeing, I mean, I think the book has been, has been, you had, you were, I saw that you were, uh, what's it called? Nominated for a Goodreads award. I love yeah. Goodreads.
2: I was, um I was on the YA sci-fi.
0: Yes. And there was another one too. Oh, Emerging LGBTQ Voice. Like you had been recognized in so many ways. Do you feel like, because now you have a lot more eyes moving into your next book and the following book, do you feel more pressure or do you... (sighs) do you feel
2: like um i'm very nervous about my second book which is coming out in may um yeah Yeah. i'm really nervous about that one because it's very different uh this one Mm -hmm. was written in april of 2020 while i was waiting for notes on all that's left in the world and at the time i just kind of wanted to write something that was more just like a comfort Mm -hmm. project for me and i was like i don't want any high stakes i just want this like cute little fluffy uh rom-com and uh i pitch it as empire records in an old folks home
0: cute <laughs> and
2: it's actually based on the job that uh your producer matt and i had in high school and that's, that's actually where we became friends
0: wild job to have in high school by yeah, the way we were
2: servers out. at old folk at an old folks home and it was it is matt might even agree i don't know but uh it was probably one of the best jobs i've ever had just because it's everybody that we worked with We were all like this close-knit kind of like family. We never would have been friends outside of, uh, Matt and I obviously were, but some of us like would never have been friends outside of this weird job that we all had. Right. And so I wanted to kind of write about that. And I wanted these friends who were just kind of going through uh, like romance and their final years in high school and figuring out their lives. And all the while they're just trying to, deal with their messy shit and mm. serve old people food so
0: yeah
2: i didn't think anybody when i pitched i my um contract with my publisher was basically they bought all that's left in the world and then whatever my second book was going to be and i gave them a list of three options mm-hmm. and lose you to find me was on it and they chose that one and i never thought they would i just kind of put that on there as like a extra
0: in mm-hmm. case
2: just to show them like, look, I can write more. I have plenty of ideas.
0: Strange, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And they chose that one, which it doesn't have a hook, like all that's left in the world, which is a right. post-apocalyptic queer romance. It's yep. this one's just a queer workplace rom-com. And it's also more coming of age. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, what if people are looking for more post-apocalyptic stuff or like genre fiction? And then are they going to be disappointed in this? And people who are, are enjoy rom-coms are they gonna think oh well he doesn't know how to write a rom-com because he wrote a post-apocalyptic thing like right. if they hadn't read it they don't know that i'm i'm very funny so
0: very funny <laughs>
2: i'm really i'm kind of nervous about it and i just i hope all i can hope is that it connects with people that's it yeah so yeah that's what i'm hoping um believing it out up to the universe all that's left in the world i didn't think as many people would re- like connect with it as mm-hmm. they did but I'm hoping the same thing will happen with this one.
0: I think it will because I think as much as is the poke a poke what a popopopopopagus the post apocalyptic. setting, I think what really carries it through is that it is kind of still a rom-com. Like it still has yeah. these this really nice romantic comedy theme that carries you through like this, what would normally be a really traumatic, I mean, it still is traumatic, but <laughs> a traumatic story. And you found a way to carry it through in such like a lighthearted way, which is a crazy thing to do.
2: Yeah. And I, I will say there's so far, there's good response to it. I, everybody who has read my my other book, Uh, and specifically sought this out and read an early copy, they have all said that it's distinctly me, which I think is all I can ask for, because it's like, okay, well, then that means it's definitely connecting with you. You get me, you get my book, okay.
0: Right, right. So I feel
2: better about it. And it's just, it was fun to write, because with all that's left in the world, it's... A dual point of view book where it's you just go back and forth between Andrew and Jamie every single Mm -hmm. chapter, and most of the book is just the two of them together and maybe one or two people that they run into on the road. Whereas Lushy to Find Me is, and of course, all that's left in the world is up and down the entire east coast of America, and Lushy to Find Me mainly is contained in this retirement community, and it has a cast of over like forty characters, Mm -hmm. and so just getting all of those different people and finding all of their voices and how they interact with each other was just so much fun to write and Mm -hmm. my favorite thing is just seeing people's reactions because there's one character who started off as a background character he was basically just he would be mentioned every once in a while they'd see him at a party and that was it and as i was writing the book. I realized, like, I was kind of writing backstory for him and how he interacts with the main character. And I realized I wanted more from him. And I, like, kind of started to like him. And I was like, oh, I want you to have a happy ending. And so (laughs) I slowly started building him up. And eventually he ends up becoming, like, one of the biggest characters in the book. Wow. And I'm like, I have no idea where he even came from. He just appeared in there and I was like, oh, you know what? You actually are a major part of this book and just kind yeah. of roped him in. And now all these other people who have read the book are like, oh my God, I love him so much. And I'm like, That's yeah, me too. so.
0: <laughs> interesting. I it's so the whole like process of writing books is crazy to me because I I was a big reader when I was like younger when I was a kid and I sort of lost it and refound it again in the past like year or so and now as an adult like reading I'm reading a book right now called Babel and it's like a it's like 600 pages and it it's just like keeping track of a story with all of these different characters is amazing building a universe is amazing and so you're like ah yeah there's 30 or 40 characters in this next one I'm like how do you
2: it's not nearly like that though. This is still only a 300-page book. So yeah, but still. Like...
0: <laughs> still. Still. Like you your brain does something that mine could never. Do you have like a map of like who like who knows so, who?
2: I will say when I first started it sadly it's not in the final book, but when I first started writing the book, it I structured it so every single chapter was on it it was on a day that the main character was working during his shift or after. So any in between, like in school, that wouldn't be shown in the book at all. It would have to be picked okay. up in, during that. And each chapter started with an entire lineup sheet of every single person working that day. And oh. so it listed every single name. So that's the only, I think that's why I did like, I was able to keep everybody straight and figure yeah. out who all the characters were is because I had that sheet every single time I started the chapter. I was like, right. "All right, who's working today?"
0: Yeah, who's so working I think that today? Was it. Sadly,
2: it's not in the book, but it's better that way. I think.
0: Yeah. Oh my god, that's funny. You were basically clocking everyone in at the beginning basically, of the chapter. Yeah. <laughs> who's that... the
2: manager today? Oh, right. Oh, okay. uh, yes. It.
0: Okay. Yes, that's amazing. I love that. So, how did you get into, or how did you decide to to write? young adults? Like, were you a young adult reader when you were a young adult?
2: So I actually was not because I couldn't find things that like intrigued me. I, Mm -hmm. I was a big reader. And I at some point, like around probably, I would say like middle school, I stopped reading a little bit because I felt like I had matured a little bit more than all the books that I was reading. And I think it was just, I don't think I had actually matured, like, emotionally. I think I had just gotten to a point where the stories felt predictable. They felt like something I wasn't connecting with anymore, and I wanted to read something else. So I started reading Stephen King. I actually started reading Stephen King in, like, third grade. My mom bought me. I, my mom bought me my first Stephen King book was The Shining, and it was when the miniseries had just come out on ABC, and I was watching that, and I was like, Mom, can I read this book? And she's like, "I if you're going to read it, sure, I guess. Probably thinking I wouldn't, but it's like one of my all-time favorite books now. And so I I started reading all of Stephen King, and I started trying to find books that I could connect with, even though I was a child, I was reading Mm -hmm. things I shouldn't be. And it's because back then young adult novels weren't what they are today and it wasn't until i i started writing like books and it was mainly for adults but i read a book called the knife of never letting go by patrick ness and it's a young adult novel and it was like mind-blowing to me how much the genre had changed Mm -hmm. and i think i had started with the hunger games and i read all of them and i was like oh actually this is pretty mature but it's still like was YA, Mm -hmm. but The Knife of Never Letting Go was like Hunger Games, but like a step up where it was getting into like a lot more nuance of how society and specifically like how men treat people and women and all of these like really interesting ideas that I had never really seen in a young adult novel before. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, it was this really, really, really interesting sci-fi story. And... So when I read that series, I was like, wait, so you could actually do more with YA than you can mm-hmm. with adult stuff because adult stuff, adults aren't going to read, usually adults don't read outside of what they think is for them. Right. Kids are going to do that. Like, yeah. I don't think if, I don't think that my parents would ever read a queer YA book mm-hmm. that I had not written pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that with kids i think teens are more open to reading things like a straight teen i was at this one book festival and this kid came over i'm assuming that he was straight i could be wrong who knows i didn't ask him his sexuality because whatever (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) and
2: he's probably like 15 years old i was one of the only teen authors there there are about three teen authors there and he just kind of came over and asked me what the book was about i explained it to him and he's just looking at it and he's like, I expect him to be like, uh, politely say, oh, okay, thanks. And then put it down and walk away. And he right. just looks at his mom he's like, can I buy this? And she's like, if you want to, sure. And so he just like bought it. And I think teens are just more willing to be like, oh, well, I can read a book that happens to be gay because mm-hmm. it's just a book. I don't care. Like, I don't, I know it's not written specifically for me, but I can still connect with the characters mm-hmm. if I like them. I can connect with mm-hmm. the story if I like it. Whereas adults don't really want to do that yeah. a lot, so I mean, I I'll read pretty much anything that I that sounds like it's an exciting story to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care who the main characters are. I don't care. I mean, if they're like if they're completely opposite of what I believe, then I'm not going to read it. But yeah. for the most part, I will read books about trans people. I will read books by especially by black authors about black experiences and i will still read it because i want to know if the story is good and yeah. teens are much more open to doing that than adults yeah. are and that's so that's why i started sweet. also it's kind of adult books are not nearly as diverse as young adult books mm-hmm. so i think because of that i was like i want to have queer characters in my books and it's an easier sell than writing a queer adult book like even that yeah. i asked my agent about and it's kind of It's a little iffy to sell a queer adult book. There's like maybe a couple, like a handful of them published every year. Whereas with YA books, there's probably, I think, like eight queer books coming out a week at this point. So, which is.
0: Okay, that's amazing. In 2015,
2: by the way, it was almost unheard of. Usually it was like one queer book a season and that's it.
0: Do you remember the first time that you found a book that you felt like represented you or the queer community, like when you were a kid, or was it until you were kind of a young adult yourself?
2: It probably wasn't until I was an adult. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there were authors who were writing those books and it just, it was hard to find them. They Mm -hmm. weren't like, publishers weren't putting money behind them. Publishers weren't marketing them and. There was a book by, I forget the author's name, Perry, something Perry, Um, but it's called Hero. It's about this queer kid who is in this world where superheroes exist and he ends up like he's gay and he's worried that his father is going to like hate him because he's gay and he has a crush on this one superhero and ends up meeting this other boy who has superpowers and the two of them fall in love. Mm -hmm. And it was... I just kind of like happened to stumble upon it at the bookstore and I was reading, I was like, it, it was kind of like thinly veiled gay yeah. on the back <laughs> cover when I was reading it and I was just like,
0: is, is this
2: kid gay? <laughs> is, is this kid gay in this? And so I'm like, I start reading it. I'm like, I don't know, this is reading kind of gay. And I'm like, this is gay. And so like, and it ended up, it's like one, Uh, like, queer book (laughs) awards and all this stuff, and I had no idea what it was. And so so I just, I bought it, and I was like, I'm gonna read this book. And it was, like, the first time I was like, oh, wow, they're, like, really making gay books now. (laughs) It wasn't just, like, for adults. hilarious. Because it was only, I would, when Amazon became a thing, Mm -hmm. I figured that's the easiest way for me as a closeted gay kid to buy gay books. So I would, like, go on, and I looked up gay books, and They were all for adults, and all of them had a lot of inappropriate sex in them.
0: Right? Probably shouldn't have been
2: reading them. But did
0: you go to Amazon, the search bar, and just write "gay books"?
2: (laughs) I think I probably did.
0: I mean, it's
2: much more advanced than me Googling, or I think it was Yahoo searching at the time when I first got the internet and was like not realizing I'm just like naked men. Oh yeah, yeah. This is it. This is what I like
0: yeah <laughs> ah yes confirmed got it thanks <laughs> and it was like i don't know if you had the um dial-up internet where yes. you're like you're like mom couldn't be on the phone the same time you were on there so and like if if you picked
2: were... up the phone it would disconnect yes! you it would
0: just disconnect you which was like your worst nightmare because you're like oh my god a very stressful time
2: oh yeah <laughs> <For> <laughs> kids
0: a, for these internet.
2: days don't know how easy they have it they don't
0: even know <laughs> They could, they could go on Pornhub like it's nothing, which is horrifying yes, in its own thing. But, but yes,
2: let's ban the books from all the, right. the school libraries. That's more important.
0: How dare their pinkies touch? How dare. How dare. How dare. Absurd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's so cool that, I mean, it's so cool that now you've been able to create a part of this, this community and like the literary community. Have you had people reach out to you, like email you or DM you or anything and give you feedback on on the book or how do you get
2: your i get so many and it's like every single one every email i get i get so excited because it's like it's kind of like reminds me of why i am because every once in a while i'll just be like oh i'm such a shitty writer why is this so hard (laughs) and then i'll get an email and it's like it's it's almost like people who read my book know i need the email right (laughs) there and it's i love how different all of them are there's like some of, some of the people are straight and they're like, I am a straight woman in my sixties. And I just have to tell you, I really love this book. Yeah. I think it's so sweet. It really connected with me. And I'm making sure everybody I know is reading it. And then I'll get stuff from like this kid in uh, Illinois. He, like his teacher got me, like wrote me an email saying how much he loved the book and like made him write me a letter. And it was this adorable letter. And I was like, I'm going to send this kid a letter back. And so I sent him a letter back and I sent her like a whole box of like young adult books for her library. And it was like, I just, I really love getting emails from people. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them are like, the the ones from like older people are like, I wish I had this book when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's exactly why I wrote it. Because I want kids that are in high school now to have it. I want yeah. them to be able to see that they can have these stories and that they do matter. It's like, I know it sounds cliche, but it's when you have so much, there's such an obvious genre and there's mm-hmm. one blind spot in it that has not been there. It's like, finally, somebody else is shining a light on that. Mm-hmm. And like, even the... Um, I'm not sure if you watched The Last of Us, but
0: yes, I haven't watched the episode that just came out, but I'm caught up through episode I don't think three. I've watched
2: that one, yeah. Episode
0: the, episode three.
2: I got so many emails about that one because I was I'm like, sure. "Yeah, that's exactly what I was going for." And yep. I, I I watched it too, and I was like, "I'm so glad that something like this." Because when I first got signed with my agent, his assistant told me about the video game, and I I'm terrible at video games; they've just become yeah. too complicated. <laughs> I understand. so what i do is i go online and i onto youtube and i go and watch the movies that mm-hmm. they edit all together as like one yes. movie yeah. and i watch the last of us and i watch the last of us part two and mm-hmm. in the last of us when they introduce the bill and frank storyline it's really depressing and mm-hmm. i was like oh this sucks it's, i don't like that but they totally redeem themselves and mm-hmm. they made it so much happier and it's like this sweet little moment and i'm just so happy they did it that way yeah and if you're th- if you're like ugly crying during that episode and you know nothing else about it just wait until the end of the show because when i finished this last of us part two i was yeah. sobbing oh, at my no it, it is the most emotional storytelling i have ever seen from a video game and wow. i cannot wait for the rest of this series i am in all the way to the end because oh me too i'm so excited i was ugly crying at a fucking edited video game movie
0: and it was <laughs> so i like
2: it made me wish i could play video games mm-hmm. just so i could get through Experience like the 30 it. plus hours of that to get to that moment
0: yeah i understand i was not a big video game person either i like the sims and that's where i draw yeah, the line yeah <laughs> you know that's
2: one i can still even though sims 4 is still really hard to play i'm like i struggle i have to buy the houses i can't build anymore i used to love oh, yeah. building in the Sims
0: one I, I have no patience for it now it. No, yeah it's too hard. no no patience now it's like i'm like this is i i don't need to like html hack no. this entire thing like that i'm playing this because i can't play anything else yeah. my god <laughs> yeah. um but my brother played a lot of video games so i like sort of when I, I don't know if you remember in the first episode where they get in the car and the shot from inside the car, yeah. and you like, you like horror movies too, right? Mm-hmm. So when like, there's so many zombie movies, there are so many like kind yeah. of takes on that. The shot from inside the car, I think was one of the most impressive shots yeah. I've seen like in TV. Cause you're following through, the, it was just, it felt like a video game.
2: I think, it's, I think it was taken from the video game because Get I was watching out. it and I was like, this is really familiar. And I think it was almost like a shot for shot remake of the video game because wow. I think during that time, you're playing, I think, in the video game as Joel. And I mm-hmm. think you can pretty much just turn the camera and so you can pick on what you're looking at while this is all going on. I think that's how wow. it was. I could just be making that up. But I, as I was watching it. <laughs> I was like this is really familiar. I think yeah. that this is how they did it in the game.
0: Yeah, it was so cool and such like yeah. a well-made show. And when episode 3 came around, it was so interesting because you're like if, for anyone who hasn't seen The Last of Us, um the episode episode 3 is uh, about
2: Frank and Bill.
0: Frank and Bill are two men who find each other in this po- post-apocalyptic why is that so hard for me to say today? <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, world living out, the, not kind of, they end up living out the rest of their days together. That doesn't even spoil it because watching the like, the nuance and details of their life is just so beautiful. And Bill is played by Nick Offerman, which I was so, when I saw him pop up on the screen, I was like, this is the best because (laughs) he's viewed as being this like super masculine person in any other role that he plays. And he still is masculine in this role. And so he plays this like lesser represented, more masculine side of also still being queer and having this like really loving relationship with frank it's just so beautiful
2: i love nick offerman I
0: think. me too and
2: him and megan mulally are the cutest couple in the world
0: <laughs> there's they're so cute did you watch parks and Rec at all
2: Uh, I did. I watched all the way up until I think the halfway through the fifth season and then they took it off Netflix and I lost it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I mean, you (laughs) saw enough to see Nick Offerman and Megan like their their characters when she's Tammy cracks (laughs) me up. They're so funny. They're so funny. So yeah, he has a lot of range and he made that character really come to life. The scene where he tries a strawberry that Frank grew. I was like, oh my God, not be crying at produce. I can't stand it. It was so beautiful.
2: I really love that scene because he, at one point he looks at Frank and he's like, I was never afraid until I met you. And he like says that he's sorry that he's getting older faster than frank is and frank's like older means we're still here which i feel like it's going to be overlooked by a lot of people but the show starts in 2003 Mm -hmm. and, and then it jumps ahead to 2023 and all of that part is probably within the last few years and that means the two of them were at the age where they were basically I'm not not sure if Bill was out at the time. I think he probably still wasn't sure about his sexuality. But Mm -hmm. he at least saw that all of these people were dying of AIDS in the 80s. And so when Frank says that to him, older means we're still here. I think he is specifically talking about the AIDS crisis. And how so many people that they know from AIDS and the cordyceps now Mm -hmm. are no longer there. And how it's like... They have each other and it doesn't matter that they're getting old and ugly and fat and blah, 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 (laughs) which is like all of these things that queer people are so terrified of. And it's like, no, this is a good thing. This is a happy thing that we are here together.
0: Yes, yes. I love that. Older means we're still here. It's like such Mm a... Honestly, some words to live by and that it those such
2: the- a simple line and I was just like, "Oh my god, my heart."
0: Yeah. That's like that you know that's going to end up on like a rustic wood sign in home goods yeah. in a couple of years. <laughs> and people will have it in their kitchens <laughs> next to like what's the one that's like
2: live laugh love?
0: Yes, live laugh love. I love it. <laughs> It'll end up there soon. Yeah. <laughs> I ask everybody who comes on the show, if you have any specific dating or relationship advice that has stuck with you through your time and you're married now so you did something right
2: <laughs> yeah i think probably the most important thing is probably I, I would just say is communication because i even need to take that for myself because i we have a lot of when we enter into a relationship we already have a lot of baggage from our family lives, how we're brought up and everything and all of our experiences. So I think it's important to be able to communicate your wants and needs and talk with your partner because it's one of those things that it took me forever to learn. And it could have been like stunted queer growth because I wasn't allowed to be able to have a relationship until I felt Mm -hmm. comfortable with who I was. But for so long, I would just quiet i wouldn't say what i what was on my mind and i basically was failing as a partner because i just wasn't expressing my emotions and i was just Mm -hmm. like i want this let's do this i want to i want you to do this i need you to talk to me like this i need you to express this this is how i'm feeling and that's basically the easiest thing you can do a hundred percent communications and open dialogue about what it is you want and how it is you're feeling and you shouldn't be playing games so i was watching the uh, white lotus and that whole scene when aubrey plaza and the other girl in the pool and she's talking about how she plays games and i'm like yes i hate this and i hope nobody is taking this as real advice that girl is very very she should get an award yeah. how she acted however i hope that people realize that this is not how you should be in a relationship
0: yes you have to no talk
2: about everything
0: yes yes i agree i also was so i was cringing so much at that entire part i mean there's like i think there's some value in having things be like to yourself like it's important to always like maintain who you are in a relationship yeah. but no one is a mind reader. There's no way that your partner is going to know how to do every single thing for you the way that you need it to be done to have this be sustainable. So communication, communication, communication. It's so much easier to just say like, you know what, it would be really helpful if I made the dinner that night that like you do the dishes or we can do them together, but I don't want to do all of it by myself. And then later we can do whatever, just having the conversation versus sitting there and like ruminating Seething in while it you're yeah
2: scrubbing dishes and being like yeah at them on their phone <laughs>
0: yeah exactly just have the communicate have the have the conversation you'll feel so much better i agree i think that's wonderful advice thank you so much for talking to me today do you want to um me. oh my god at literally anytime will you have lose you to find me coming out spring is that what yes, month is that
2: may 16th
0: amazing
2: and all that's left in the world is out now in hardcover it's also coming out in paperback in may 16th if you want to wait for that although i will say paperbacks are getting more expensive because paper is more expensive Ugh. it's like 15.99 for a paperback you might as well just buy the hardcover if you don't yeah. want to wait for it
0: yeah
2: also the audiobook is really good i'll say that i haven't been able to listen to the uh, audiobook yeah. for lucy to find me yet but i'm telling you the audiobook in uh, all that's left in the world if anybody hasn't read it yet and they're thinking about it and you have like audible credits just mm-hmm. pop on there and
0: grab pop it. it. On. check
2: it out from your library
0: i was just gonna say
2: support your local library because all of the libraries are getting in a lot of trouble now so they have queer books and everybody's standing up and trying to get them banned so go and support your local library mm-hmm. check out queer books Even if you don't read them, you can check them out, take them home and return them the next day. It still counts. It helps me.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it so much. I can't wait to finish All That's Left in the World. And I'm so excited for You to find me. I'm very happy that I found someone new to read from. So I'm I'm just very excited all around. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. so much for listening. As a reminder, we are always accepting questions about sex ed, about relationships, life advice. We will accept it all. We would love to hear from you. So send us an email to Pod at gmail.com.